and welcome to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and it feels good to be able to do that with my voice once again. I'm so sorry about last week. I know we took the week off because I got so sick that I lost my voice. Uh, I am both back on the podcast and back from another trip I took since then. Truly, my body knew that it had to rally between vacations, and I got home from Disney World. I was sick the next day and got better the day before I left again. I went on a beach vacation with my family. I went with my husband and with my little baby Pearl. It was wonderful. I also got sick there. I didn't get the cold flu mess that everyone's got going around. I got you know what? Just ate a meal that uh, didn't agree with me. I also got so dehydrated that I got my first migraine. Listen, we don't have to dwell on it. It's totally fine. All I'm saying is that now three or four illnesses later, I'm back in the pod. We're back on schedule. And you can hear me once again because I can use my voice. And it's really nice. I was so bummed out when I couldn't tell you all about my Disney World trip. But we will do that in a future week because this week we are talking about Zootopia. We are talking about Shanghai Disneyland. And I cannot wait to share that episode with you. Hanukkah. Hanukkah is now over. Happy Hanukkah to all who celebrate. It is still shrek Ember. Happy shrek Ember to all who celebrate. If you listen to this podcast, you celebrate shrek Ember. Um, that's just that's just how it works. We all just, like, hoorah for Shrek because we love Shrek. We love our little ogre. What else has happened? I, I feel like I do need to publicly acknowledge that I read my copy of The Phantom of the Opera starring the Muppets while on vacation. There is a, oh God, let me, let me Google it to see if there's a specific line about it. Phantom of Opera. Uh, from Muppets. So basically it is, oh, Muppets Meet the Classics is what the series called. And it is a book that I had eBay alerts on forever. And I finally got an affordable copy. They sometimes pop up. They are so expensive. Um, Basically it's the story of the Phantom of the Opera with starring the Muppets. And I'm about a third of the way through and it's fantastic. And I love it so, so, so much. I highly recommend, um, I was set an alert if you want it. Don't pay too much money. I did find a reasonably priced one for like 13 bucks or something like that. But it is wonderful. It is wonderful. It is exceptional. Almost as wonderful as this episode. I don't want to keep you from it because I made you wait so long. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to let it ride. But once again, so sorry about last week. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Happy shrek Ember, Happy everything. And happy new theme park land opening that we get to talk about. Shanghai Disney Resort's new land, Zootopia, officially opens today. And if you haven't heard too many details about it yet, well, it's time to get jealous because this place is unbelievable. This new theme park land is Zootopia in real life, full stop. It's packed with endless gags and references to creatures and critters in every nook and cranny, all against the backdrop of a bustling metropolis and its many, many residents, including practically everyone you can remember from the film, like Fru-Fru and Duke Weaselton and even my very favorite and my, my Disney experience avatar, Flash the Sloth. The land also features a brand new ride, Zootopia Hot Pursuit, featuring trackless ride technology like what you've come to know and love on Remy's Ratatouille Adventure and Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and even Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. But here, it's used a little differently, which you'll hear about in a few moments. Zootopia as a whole is so layered with detail and so many familiar sights from the film in real life right there, that it's impossible to even wrap one's head around all of the entertainment and jumbo popsicles and merchandise and experiences that are inside. That is, unless 
you are lucky enough to be sitting with a panel of Walt Disney Imagineers. Yes, a whole gaggle of them on this week's podcast. Because if you wanted to hear about how they developed a whole city out of nothing, or which Disneyland ride was used as inspiration, or even why this ride vehicle's movement is different from any others, you're about to learn all of that and so much more. We've got Rachel Miller, senior interior designer, who led interiors on the entirety of the design of the ride queue, Blaine Kennison, principal visual effects designer, who worked with Walt Disney Animation Studio on all original, all new on-screen animation within the attraction, Lucas Kading, senior ride control software engineer, who brought Shanghai's latest attraction to life, and Michelle Tritt, production manager at Disney Live Entertainment, who focused on the atmosphere show in the land, or in other terms, literally bringing the characters of Zootopia to life inside the land in a show that makes me miss the Muppets present great moments in American history so, so badly. But this still kind of scratches that itch from afar. We do our best to keep this week spoiler free. And trust me, we are dancing around some big stuff. So we're just giving you the 411 on what you can expect from when you hopefully get to visit this land. But I do need to prep you first on what happens once you step foot inside the land's attraction, because it is cool and it is worth talking about as we discuss it further. On Zootopia Hot Pursuit, you'll enter Zootopia's police department, which you will instantly recognize from the movie, and encounter Officer Klauhauser, who's happy to gab with you about whatever's on his mind, including Gazelle's concert that evening. From there, you'll see Chief Bogo, and as new recruits, you'll board cruisers to provide backup to Nick Wilde and Judy Hopps as they zip through familiar sights and chase down Bellwether to stop her from a crime she's committed. I cannot wait to take you through this land with the minds who brought it to life. Let's go to Shanghai Disneyland and experience this incredible new land together for the very first time. Welcome, everyone, to Very Amusing. Thank you so much for being here to talk about Zootopia. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It is a pleasure. Rachel, I would love if you could just tell us a bit about your role at Walt Disney Imagineering and what you've worked on within this new land. Yeah, so I've been with Walt Disney Imagineering um, just over 10 years, and I started on Shanghai, um, the original base park. So going to work on Zootopia and being part of the start of the team and concept was incredible for me to not only go back to the park and see it finished for the first time in 2017, um, because I never got to see it finished in 2016, but also just creating a new, rich, immersive land for our guests that we knew would be incredible in Shanghai. Um, The Chinese guests really gravitated towards Zootopia And that's one of the things that we really wanted to focus on is that aspirational feeling of coming into the big city um, from your hometown and being immersed just like Judy hops into the culture and immersion of Zootopia. So my role was the interior designer for the land. Um, I also was able to be the queue designer. So that was designing all of the aspects and the flow to give the story from when the film ends and when we pick up on Zootopia um, Hot Pursuit. So telling the story of uh, coming in as a police officer for your first day and meeting Clawhauser, going through all the different aspects of the ZPD, the prison, catching up with Bellwether and where she's at after the film, and then also getting your briefing from Chief Bogo, going out 
onto the vehicle and starting your adventure with Nick and Judy. So we really wanted to make sure that the queue gave a different kind of immersion that we haven't done um, in, in Shanghai, but certainly in our parks in a very long time. What we've seen on screen in the film was so robust and so colorful and particularly so layered. How do you approach creating a city like that from scratch? I think what was really important was making sure that all the different zones of Zootopia were represented. And every time you looked into a facade or entered into a part of the building, that it had that same relationship. When you're coming from the attraction, it may be a bit confusing why there's three different stories in that shop and it is a small space. We wanted to make sure that the land was very active. So when you enter from Main Street, you get the impression, oh, this is Fashions by Fru-Fru and there's little uh, Arctic shrew walkways and the same shop is reflected for animals of every size. So making sure that the scale worked and that all of the different districts of Zootopia are represented within our small land. It's so interesting because within the story of the land, there's so many different kinds of animals of all shapes and sizes that could call it home, creatures big and small. So how did you approach design knowing that this is a place that animals of all sizes could call home? It was really fun, actually, because we were able to layer in different scales. So as you walk through the queue, you'll see in all the different areas, like the prison, for example, um, one of the main areas of the prison, the first scene where you can see all the cells, we have different things coexisting within the same space. So there's three different balconies um, or three different areas rather through balconies where you can see the larger animals on the ground floor, the medium sized animals, and then the small animals. So we wanted to make sure that everything was really layered and you could get different impressions. Um, when you go into the next scene where we have the like high isolation chamber area um, of the prison, there's all different size doors. So we wanted to give that and uh, that that different scale and different representation of all of the animals, but also to make you kind of understand after the film ends, Judy was the one of the first small <laughs> police officers. So we're coming in and we're all different sizes. So now you can see how the police department has changed. When you go into the pre-show and you're in the briefing room, it's still at the scale of the larger animals. But as you go into there, you can see there's like a small little break area that's now for smaller animals and the lockers that are for medium and small animals. So we really wanted to make sure that after the film, it really was more of an inclusive environment for all sizes of different animals and not just based off of what we saw in the film. I love that so much. <laughs> that's so nice. She affected change within the, the police stage for the future. Rachel, is there anything else about the queue that future guests should know about when they are getting ready to board Zootopia Hot Pursuit? Because it seems like this is a bit of an attraction of its own. Yeah, I think what's important to note is we really wanted to make it not feel like a queue. We wanted to do a really immersive storytelling experience. So you go through all different areas and we looked for inspiration from Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin. Um, and other experiences where you can see from one viewpoint to another and really create a vast storytelling experience through graphics and props and layering of storytelling. So you really do get a second layer of interest just going through the queue. The pre-show is incredible too. I mean, just not having a lot of uh, queue rails 
in the pre-show and still feeling like you're in the film, that's one of the greatest, um, most immersive, immersive things we can do. It's incredible. Oh my gosh. Well, Lucas, I know you worked on this brand new trackless ride experience at Shanghai Disneyland. Could you tell us more about Zootopia Hot Pursuit and really what guests can expect from the moment they sit down in that vehicle? You're boarding a cruiser and you're going to go out and, and chase Bellwether, right? I mean, you're, uh, she's escaped and you want to go find her. And you're, you're teaming up with uh, Nick and Judy and you're, you're um, chasing them through the streets, through factories, through uh, Mystic Oasis, just to, to find her. And what's interesting about this ride as opposed to other ride systems is that you can actually feel like you're chasing them, right? You are, you're in a car. You are in a car that is not attached to a track. You can go anywhere. You can explore a scene. You can go, you know, uh, a thousand miles an hour. Kidding. Uh, uh, 60 miles an hour going chasing them down the street. Um, you can actually go into a scene and actually come back into that scene. So it's, uh, it's a really great ride system to be able to uh, explore environments and actually uh, feel like you're actually going on a real chase. What I find personally so interesting about trackless rides at Disney parks is how even over time, after many years after they open, there's always something so magical about it that's just inherent in the way that those ride vehicles move. Are there any technological advances here seen on Zootopia Hot Pursuit that guests should be aware of? Or really, how do you push the boundaries of this new technology over and over with new rides? Every time we do a trackless attraction, we always think of interesting and new creative ways to to use that technology. And in this particular attraction, uh, because of the nature of the story where it's not really so linear, you know, you're on a chase, you're following uh, Judy wherever she's going. There's actually a, a special unique moment in this attraction where you go into a scene, you start looking for her, and then you like go back into a scene you'd previously been in to because she continue to chase back into that original scene and you keep on going. And, and, and in that process, you're actually seeing, you know, other, uh, you know, other vehicles as they're going about the city as, as you chase her through uh, uh, onto the next scene. So that is one really interesting aspect we're actually able to bring into this attraction, which really, you know, is it something that you have about this attraction? It's not really other ones uh, around the world. Wait, that's fascinating. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of what the work to put together, but it comes out to be a really magical experience for a guest. Oh, my God. For someone like you, who's probably been on a trackless ride vehicle thousands of times, is it just so strange and jarring to do that instead of kind of be moving in that linear room to room story as we're used to? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, as a ride engineer, we get to ride not only our rides, but lots of other rides many times. And and to have this really special experience where you you go into a room and you actually come back to the other room, it's 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 just surprising. It's like, oh wow, that I didn't think you could do that. And then you go back into this other scene and you know, and, and suddenly you're there and you're you're moving on to the next. It's uh and it's really it's done very um kind of uh, uh magically, I guess. It does sound like one of those things that it is something you've maybe always wanted to develop, but it took a while to make that happen. Well, the technology is there. For trackless systems, the technology has to be there, right? We have to make sure that no matter where the vehicles go, they will not uh, impact or interact with other vehicles. So we have that built in. What we really needed was a good storyline to be able to use some of these uh, advances that this technology allows us to do. And this was the right storyline. A chase uh, for Bellwether is just the perfect way to to bring you back into the same scene. So... Uh, this was a, a great story for a ride system. And I know you worked with Blaine on the media design for the attraction. And I'd love to hear about what it was like to work with Walt Disney Animation Studio on this new, all original on-screen animation within the attraction. Then working with feature animation, you know, I, I worked at feature animation on uh, Zootopia as an artist. And, uh, you know, it's been years since that movie came out, but it's really dear to lots of people's hearts. There's uh, a couple of half domes in the... Um, 
in the ride, which is just trying to do a lot of action and uh, falling and uh, actually a lot of, uh, what do you call it, drifting like in the car. So it get, enhances that chase aspect. Wait, drifting? You got drifting oh, yeah. on this road? You, you drift in this uh, a few times. Um, and uh, they even went on a special uh, tour before the ride started and they went and tested out uh, cars on a racetrack. So they could feel what an actual, all of this would feel like in real life. And they added it to uh, all, all of the uh, animation for the show. But I would love to know, there are different environments within this attraction. What do you do creatively to transport riders from one to another and to reinforce that these are very separate, different places? Well, you know, there's a lot of different elements. We look at ourselves as like a, a giant wheel. So, you know, everybody on the outside of this wheel, we all have our disciplines, whether it's Rachel, Michelle, uh, Lucas, or myself. And the center is what the ride's going to be. But during the whole design process, we're all focused on our things, but we're feeding back information to what that final ride's going to be. And so there's show sets, there's black light, there's, you know, white light, there's uh, the animation of the cars themselves, there's the media, there's uh, paint, there's... There's so many aspects to this. We have a scripts where we have characters that walk across basically a, a transparent piece of cloth. And so you get dimensionality. You can see things behind these scripts. Um, but this takes a lot of coordination with paint and lighting and uh, media uh, to make those things look real and uh, exciting to the um, guests. So um, it's a really collaborative about, but like all these things help bring each scene to life whether it's uh, little uh, curtains moving a little bit so that on the next screen you see somebody jump out from behind the curtains. The curtains themselves move a little bit so that you're like, ah, there they are. And just so much detail, you wouldn't believe it. Well, the attraction sounds fantastic, but it, it also seems like the land itself is a bit of an attraction because there is so much happening. Michelle, I would love to hear from you about what you've helped create within this new Zootopia-inspired land. Yeah, so we're doing a whole new thing with the atmosphere show in the land where it's not really even a show. Um, it's called Disney Zootopia Comes Alive. And it's basically the characters are just living and breathing in the land. Um, they have a set of apartment buildings, a firehouse that they're going to just be popping out of the windows and talking with each other and talking with the guests just on a you know regular but not scheduled basis um so it's you never know when you're walking through the land who's going to be popping out of the windows interacting with each other interacting with the guest in a completely new and different way that we've never really done before oh my gosh what was the process of of making this happen because this is so unlike a traditional meet and greet as we're used to where you just walk up to a character and you get to hug them uh this really adds so much to the land as a whole how do you even prepare for something like that especially for guest interaction being such a big part of it you know well we started way at the very beginning working with wdi on what the space was going to look like what we would need for these characters to be able to inc be incorporated into the land um, that included kind of designs on what the buildings were going to be, what kinds of windows we would want to, you know, have the characters be able to actually interact with the guests. Um, and then it came down to which characters we were going to use, how big, how small they needed to be. We go from Fru-Fru that's tiny, Mr. Big that's tiny, but only in stature, not in name, um, all the way up to, you know, Kozlov. And we actually have an elephant um, in the in the scenes as well. So... 
It's, you know, working with WDI to make sure that the the land um, could incorporate those storylines was was really a big part of what I started working on with the project. And then just continuing on with what stories do we want the characters to be talking about? What did we want? What personalities do we want to have in, involved in the um, in which characters we are bringing into the land and how are they going to interact with each other? Because sometimes the characters that are in the space don't necessarily interact with each other in the movie, but they need to in the land because they're living in the land. So making sure that we had stories where, you know, Duke could actually talk to uh, Bonnie and Stu and and their 47 kids that are in the land, um, you know, was, was a little bit of a process. And also making sure that it worked with the Shanghai guests and the, you know, the, the Chinese guests that are here in Shanghai Disneyland. Oh my gosh. And are they, um, just logistically, are they scattered throughout the land or are they in one, one location, one facade? We have one facade. There's about eight windows that we play with. Not all of them are in each scene. Um, so you never know who's going to pop out of which window because they, they will move around a little bit. But the idea is really that, you know, as you're walking through the land, all of a sudden the characters will just pop out and, Maybe Fru-Fru will take a picture with you or, you know, Yaks will be meditating in the window. Um, so it really is an opportunity to bring the land to life in a way that just we've never really done before. Yeah, it's, I mean, it sounds absolutely fantastic because it just reinforces that this is a living place that creatures live in all of all sizes and of all personalities. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer, and it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Blaine, I would love to know more about the audio animatronics within the ride queue and the ride. Oh, yeah. We have several different characters in the queue and the ride. Um, we have Clawhauser. We have uh, Bogo. Of course, Nick and Judy, the, the main characters. And uh, there's a few extra ones that I will tell you about that are on the ride, but they're just, they're really cool to see and a great part of the ride. Um, but, the, you know, it's amazing. The animation that was done on these, they look so real. They look like they're, you're, you look like you're talking to them in the ride. It's amazing. And, uh, you know, for media, we did some of the eyes, like you see the eyes actually blink and, and move. And it's, uh, that's all media that's actually playing on the, uh, on little projectors behind their eyes. So, uh, it's kind of amazing that we got that all looking good and working and it makes them look really alive. Bogo himself looks, he looks like he's real. I mean, yeah. You're in there and the way he talks and moves, you think you're in the briefing room with Bogo. It's amazing. And you're saying this as professional theme park I know. <laughs> the first time I saw the briefing room, I had almost like a like a panic attack because <laughs> after designing it, it was astonishing. I literally said to to Dustin, our art director, I said, I can't believe they let us build this. Like it's breathtaking. You're in the film. You're in the film. And there's no other words to describe it. It's incredible. Oh, my and gosh. Clawhauser in the lobby, he has all of these different prompts that he is, like, teaching you and introducing you. And there's a scene that the the lights go out and he plays music. It's a lot of guest interaction. And I think people will really be surprised. He's very expressive. Clawhauser yeah. is really, really expressive and is, he's really fun. So I think the kids will definitely like Clawhauser. My God, you guys did it. You got me looking forward to waiting in a line. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you talk to me about what this land is like at nighttime? What can people expect once the sun goes down? I can talk about it real quickly and yep. anyone else can jump in, but it is beautiful at night. Um, it's just amazing. It's you know, this land is so immersive. There's so many things to look at. I've been spending the last month in this land and I still am finding things that I've never seen before, never noticed before. And then at night, it is even completely more different because there's more lighting and more, you know, visual aspects. Um, we currently are not doing our show at night, um, but I've already said to a lot of people that the land looks so gorgeous at night that we really should be incorporating as much as we can at night because people are going to want to be in this space after dark. Whichever animal is nocturnal, you got to get them on the horse. Exactly. <laughs> and maybe the shows are a little bit different at night, you know? <laughs> I mean, really, what does it feel like when you first step into this land? Because a lot of the perspective I've seen has just been of the skyline and of buildings and of the streets separately. But when you're standing in it, do, how how does it feel? What is it like around you? Oh, it's amazing. It's so immersive and there's so many different details. Like there's all these many shows that are happening all over the place. You know, I don't want to spoil too much, but like. Spoil it. it. <laughs> there, there was a scene in the main movie where there was lemmings, the little lemmings that were going down these tubes as if they were, that's how they were getting transported. The ZTA. Well, 
Yeah, those have been recreated, and you have you can see them going down the sides of the building and stuff. It's the amount of detail in this, having worked on the movie and now worked on the ride, and then the area out front. It's it's amazing. Like like uh, uh, Michelle was saying, it's like every day you find something new, and you worked on the ride, and you're finding new things. So it, it's it's really really fun. Whoa. Okay. I need to know for each of you, what is the one detail that you personally find to be the most special or are most charmed by? There's so many things. It's so hard to narrow it down. I've been, um, you know, I, I'm actually going through, okay, what, well, what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? Um, I, it's hard to narrow it down really to, to one individual thing. I would say that what I love about the land is that if you look up, you see things different. If you look down, you see things different. You know, kind of going to that size that we talked about earlier, there's a lot of details down low and then there's a lot of details up high that if you're just going in and looking at, you know, just kind of eye level, you're missing out on a lot of things. Um, so I think one of my favorite things is all the little doorways that are for the, you know, the smaller creatures um, that are kind of hidden in a little corner or up above, you know, there's, there's some bat apartments um, close to our, our uh, atmosphere space. So, you know, there's all sorts of details like that, that are just so clever um, and have not been in a, in a land before. Yeah. Like Michelle was saying, there's hundreds of windows within this land and we have draperies in most of them. So uh, each one has a different story based on which area or district that animal comes from and what the drape would make sense in that story. So we have like heavier fabrics and ones in, that would are more like Tundra Town style apartments. And there's activations with speakers and special effects. I mean, it's truly incredible. Um our guests are going to love not only exploring the land, but also just taking pictures, especially at night with the show lighting. Oh my God. I mean, I'm just, I'm wowed by all the work that it took to make the drapes, <laughs> let alone the whole lamp. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Lucas, I gotta know. I gotta know. What's your little, your little charming bit. What do you think is the most special about the land or something that stood out to you? So for me, I think uh, it's kind of cheating a little bit, but I do like the entire right area. I, I think, in every spot, every every place you investigate in the attraction, it's just full of details. And and every scene that you're going through, it just kind of, it, it really pulls you into that scene. And I've ridden this ride thousands of times, many, many, many times. And I'm still finding new, interesting, uh, creative things they've added. And, and little, uh, you know, fish over here or details of, of animals over there or like little habitats, little leaves and spots I hadn't noticed before. And every little piece of it, like moss even on guardrails and areas of the attraction, it's like they, every detail has been covered. You could ride that ride, you know, for, for 10 years and you'd still find something new to look at. So I, I'm just really, even after riding it so many times, I'm really drawn in by the entire environment they've created in the attraction. Gosh, it really sounds like, you know, there's a certain type of Disney Parks fan who's really interested in the details on, you know, the tales of the park. And this sounds like Main Street dialed up to 10,000. Like anybody who's ever been like, you know, there's a piano player up there. Like that person is going to lose their mind within this land. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. And Blaine, is yours the lemmings? It's okay if it is. Well, that's one of my favorite elements, but I'm a little bit partial to, you know, you're in this big city and you, it's like you're in Times Square and there is this huge, uh, Zootopatron that has all kinds of content on it. And of course we worked on it. Uh, it's like 28 minutes worth of new content, uh, ads, commercials, uh, 
things that uh, guests have never seen before. Um, there's a fruit fruit commercial that I'm not going to talk about, but everyone has to go see. Um, and it's just, it's amazing. Uh, one of our artists, Luhan Dusima, she, she put all of this stuff together and it's so creative. There's, you know, um, there's telephone commercials. There's, it, 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 there's all kinds of stuff and, um, it keeps everybody visually looking at it and it's got the backdrop of Zootopia right behind it, all lit up at night. It's, it's amazing. Oh my God. I was planning on asking all of you if there were any Easter eggs we should know about, but I feel like there could be an entire book written about them. And don't forget about hidden Mickeys. Oh my God. I was just going to say, I just found two hidden Mickeys yesterday that, um, one of which I didn't know about when I was pointing out to other people. So there are hidden Mickeys in the land. Definitely. Okay. Michelle, I'm going to need to know at least one of them. I got to know. I would say just, you know, look towards um, the disco area and you might find one. Okay, Rachel, I feel like you got an Easter egg sitting sitting on the tip of your tongue. Do you have one? No, I'll I'll leave it for our guests to explore. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like I mean we a lot of our listeners are hoping to or currently planning trips to Shanghai Disney Resort, and you know a new land is worth traveling for by itself. But it sounds like this isn't the type of thing you just show up to and quickly walk around and go on the ride and leave. This is kind of feels like a mini park of its own. I think people aren't going to want to leave. They're going to want to keep walking around, taking pictures, exploring all of the little tiny doors and large doors and different aspects of the show. I, I think people are going to really love it. Oh my gosh. My, my most important question I have to ask all of you, this is a really serious one. Has anyone had a possicle? I have not, but I have, a, I have had one of the donuts. <gasps> Tell me everything. So they have the really big donut and then the really small big donut. And I had the small big donut and it was amazing. <gasps> uh, very, very good. So I highly recommend. All the food has been looking amazing. There's there's corn flavored popcorn uh, that uh, Stu and Bonnie have brought to Zootopia. I did not know this. Oh my there's, gosh. There's plenty of food available that um, is all very cute and very wonderful. Oh, I have not had a popsicle yet, but that is the one thing on my list. As soon as this land opens, this is the opportunity. I'm going straight there because I just can't wait to taste it. I, I grew up with popsicles as a kid, and I have that kind of I don't know uh, uh, mentality about it. Just really excited about having popsicles. So I'm just very interested to see how they've uh, transformed the flavor just for Zootopia Land. It's I'm just excited for it. I will listen. I will take the cell phone, and I will admit that I thought the giant popsicle was a popsicle and not. Uh, a marshmallow <laughs> on a stick, I believe. <laughs> I fell for it. I fell for it. The culinary <laughs> team was real good. <laughs> yeah, admittedly, I was thinking the same thing. Like, they would actually give you a popsicle that size. Like, you know, in the summer heat in Shanghai, I just don't know how that would, uh, you know, quite work. So I'm kind of yeah. glad they decided to make it a marshmallow, but yeah, uh, it's going to be good either way, I'm sure. Oh my gosh. Well, is there anything else about this land we haven't discussed that any of you want to chime in and tell us about? Because every detail sounds great, but in case there's a little bit more. I would say the merchandise is going to be amazing. I I saw a couple of little sneak peeks that I probably can't talk about, but um, I'm really excited to see the merchandise. I think it's going to be really really cute, and you know the guests here just love anything that's that's cute, and and um, they're definitely hitting it out of the park with with the merchandise here. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be really cute, especially in Fru Fru space where everything is so small anyway, and then having cute little 
plush and other things um, in that space is going to be amazing. I wish you all could see Rachel nodding her head. Like, I, <laughs> I, will, I believe everything that is happening right now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the merchandise, I haven't heard a peep about it. I can't wait to see what it is. Some of them are a little bit geared towards the um, characters that we have in our in our show. So um, keep your eyes out for those. But I have not seen them actually finished yet. So I'm not sure they're coming out, but they're going to be adorable. Uh, which reminds me, I meant to ask you, Michelle, are there original characters we haven't seen before that are part of this show experience? Yeah. So most of our characters have come from the the um, movie, but we do have two new characters that we were really inspired by the land itself and the firehouse that we have in our in our area where all of our characters are living. So we have uh, Greta Gerbelli, who is a very cute little gerbil, who is also the fire chief and Nose, which is our um, elephant that gets very excited when he hears the word fire. So if you're watching the show and you're near nose, you you may get wet. <gasps> oh, my God. I Like, I would go to this land just for this alone. Yeah, he, that, they're both really cute. Um, and they, you know, like I said, interact with all the other characters. There's a really great um, interaction with Greta and um, Duke. Duke's built, making a pie and things go hilariously wrong. Um, and then the fire chief has to save the day. So. Um, yeah, they're they're two really great new additions to the to the characters. Oh my gosh! Thank you all so much for telling me all about Zootopia. It, it sounds amazing, and I can't I can't wait for it to open so everyone can see it firsthand. Thanks for having us. Hey, Carly. First things first, I have to get this off my chest. You are a voice twin with uh, Naeem Persaud. I think I'm pronouncing her name incorrectly, but from SNL and Screen Queens. That's what I think almost every time I hear the show, so I don't know if anyone's ever told you about your voice twin, but there we go. The real question, and I hope I seem calm and casual about it, is that I am planning a trip to Disney World that will only be two days, and it will be around the holidays. I have not been since 2008, and I am panicked. I know the California park so well. I I just, I don't remember this feeling. I feel very overwhelmed, and I just, I don't know. What would you, what park would you start at, I guess, is the main question. Um, or what are two two-day parks? Or do I just, like, you're going to tell me I'm having a mental breakdown, and assuming that I could park up during the holiday season is just a uh, pipe dream and insanity, you know? I haven't seen Pandora, I haven't been on Tron, I haven't been on Guardian. And Tower of Terror is still Tower of Terror out there, so like all four parks seem unmissable and I am at a breaking point, possibly. So any less than a help would be terrific otherwise. Thank you for the podcast and uh, thank you for all your help. All right, take care. Bye. Okay, okay, don't panic. <laughs> <laughs> Don't panic. I've got you. Because what you are feeling is kind of what it feels like to go to Disney World sometimes. And I say that as someone who just felt like this a few weeks ago. I am with you. But before I give you advice on how to plan your trip and how to have a successful visit, I just want to remind you that simply being there is magical. You, you might get stressed, but there are stressful parts of Disney even when there aren't crowds. I mean, rain, hurricanes, snack carts closing earlier than you expect, family, work emergencies. There are so many reasons to stress out. 
And I don't want you to pre-worry about the crowds because when you're there, you won't just be walking down Main Street. You'll be walking down Main Street with a layer of holiday magic on top of it. So just remember that this is special. This is a special time. And yes, it's going to be busy and the crowds will dictate your day, but that's okay. The main advice I have for someone traveling to Disney World at a busy kind of peak time is just to focus on what is most important. What is most essential for you coming out of this trip? What are those two or three things you really want to do? And how can we best prepare for that? When I recently went with Pearl, I had just one big goal per day. One thing that I hitched my wagon to and was like, we need to do this and then I'll be happy and the rest of the day will be good. And I recommend the same sort of approach for you. It really helped make all of my other decisions like transportation and dining and even what time we went to bed at night fall into place. And sure, we ended up doing other rides and other experiences and duh, we ate. (laughs) We still did fun stuff. But I found that it kind of calmed all the noise to help me focus on one thing per day. Like on the first day, all we had to do was meet Mickey Mouse. That was it. And we did, and then everything else was gravy. We will talk about this at a later day because I have so much to tell you about that trip. I'm not entirely sure who you're going with or what the vibe of this trip is or even how close to Christmas Day you're going, but I want to just mention that you are actually in a better position than you think you are. I say this because all of the rides you're kind of interested in are all individual Lightning Lane attractions. So you can possibly get them by buying entry and bypassing the line, or at least knowing where you stand on them by mid-morning. Even better, you can buy multiple for one day across different parks if you choose to park hop, which makes your goals not as lofty. If you are staying on Disney property, remember, you have an advantage. You can book those earlier than other park guests. But if you're not, remember, the crowds will dictate your day. And that's okay. Again, pinpointing what is most important to do on this trip will absolutely help you get through. Sidebar, if anyone is listening to this episode in the future and kind of wondering the same thing about a trip, be sure to check the dates of Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, which this year in 2023 runs until December 22nd, so it doesn't apply here. But generally speaking, if you have a park hopper, it's actually good to start there on the day of a party because the park should be quieter. But if you don't have park hopper, then book your Magic Kingdom day when you can see fireworks and you can spend the whole day there. Otherwise, it'll close early and you'll kind of get shut out. Okay, some other general advice for this wonderful holiday trip because you're going to have so much fun even though people will be there. Pack snacks, which is, I think, my advice for everything at this point. But pack snacks. You will be miserable if you are hungry and you'll be even more miserable if you have to wait in line for food instead of seeing and doing other things. If food isn't your number one priority on this trip, which it doesn't sound like it is, having granola bars and other protein-packed go-tos can save so much time on a busy park day. Kind of related to that, consider mobile ordering your food early, like early, early. You can place orders for later in the day. You don't have to place it for immediately. And doing so guarantees you'll have food later. And you can just kind of plan your day around that, knowing that you have a go-to for a meal. Now, if all else fails while you're there and you're like, I really, I really need a jolt of holiday spirit. Remember that there are wonderful holiday displays at Disney Resort Hotels. Uh, I'm specifically going to recommend Boardwalk Yacht Club Beach Club because you can walk right outside of Epcot through the International Gateway and World Showcase. Go visit those and come right back in the park. The go-to recommendation is usually Grand Floridian because they got the big tree and they got the the gingerbread house selling gingerbread inside the gingerbread house. And it's adorable. 
And it is so busy in there usually that I feel like it might be tricky to get in at peak holiday time. So that is always supposedly an option. Um, you can take the walking paths, you can take the monorail in. Uh, I it should be it should be available, but just warning in case you build your day around the gingerbread house. Just know that. Uh, but it is if you do want a little bit of a holiday charm, you can always exit Epcot and go to those hotels more easily and come right back in. But both are great. I mean, if you can get to Grand Floridian, it's beautiful. So try to do it. But I don't want you to, you know, waste a laugh on the monorail for nothing. But anyway, regardless of uh, potentially uh, and not uh, fortuitous gingerbread recommendations, uh, you just need to keep in mind on this trip that you are not going to be able to do it all. But you will enjoy what you can do because even being there during the holidays is special. There is, I feel like there's one other thing. Oh, the name twin. Okay. So I think you conflated Nassim Pedrad from SNL with Nagin Farsad, who is a comedian who I've heard on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, but I think she's known for some other stuff. I know her from that. Regardless, <laughs> I did a little bit of the same because I'm like, wait, I thought that name was the comedian. Anyway, I listened to some Nassim Pedrad stuff and I, I kind of see it. I kind of see it. I will say that I... Okay, so I tried to find clips of Nassim talking and hilariously could only find for a minute ones from her show, Chad, where she plays a teenage boy in a completely different vocal register. And I hit play on the video and was like, whoa, I don't think that's me until I obviously put it together. I also came across some pretty unhinged Netflix movie that she started that I'd never heard of. Um, that seems like a like a girl's trip movie. The reviews were bad, but the trailer was good. Anyway, uh, I kind of see it. I kind of see what you're saying. I don't know if I... In my head, my voice sounds different, but I I kind of see it. And it's a compliment because she's known for making noise out of her mouth. So I'll take it as a compliment. Uh, I think that is all of the holiday advice. Um, thank you for calling. Let me know if you have any other questions. I am here to help and have a wonderful, wonderful holiday trip. That's our show. so much for listening and thank you to Blaine Kennison, Rachel Miller, Lucas Kading, and Michelle Tritt for coming on the podcast. You can rate, review, and follow Very Musing on Apple Podcasts and rate and follow us on Spotify. Why not? It's like a holiday gift you don't have to pay anything for and it helps more people discover our show, which I thank you for each and every day. You can also give us a call at 747-CHUROS and let us know what you think about, I don't know, theme parks, life, questions, uh, anything you want my advice on from a trip to, uh, I the lotions? I don't know. I was going to say baby products, but I'm, I only have a young baby. I don't really know much yet. Uh, you can also send any of those things as a voice note to 747 Churros by texting it or email it to 747 Churros at gmail.com. You can purchase Shrek Semper goods and very amusing merchandise at very-amusing.com. You can follow me, Carly Wiesel, at Carly Wiesel on all those things. And join the family at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. This episode was edited vigorously by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hi, honey. It's mom. Happy September, everyone, and happy Hanukkah. I had the best time at Disney World, but I'm going to save that for next week. This week's very amusing podcast is epic. Amy McKenney, I hope I said it correctly, stayed for two nights, two nights at Shrek Swamp, Erin V. First time ever winner. It's like winning the lottery. This is so amazing. Sleep three, 
She got snacks. She got meals. But best of all, she got trick cracks. Like, how appropriate is that? How fun. Very well thought out. I thoroughly enjoyed this week's episode. It was very, this very amusing one was one of the best. Amazing. You are amazing, Carly. I love you, Carly. I love you, Pearl. I love you, John Stamos. Yep, I added John Stamos back into the mix. I'll explain next week why. Can't wait. Bye.